Welcome to the Sheila Pamak Extractive Podcast. Once again, it's my pleasure to have a conversation with Isabel Ramdu. Isabel is Deputy Director at the Intergovernmental Forum on Mining, Minerals and Metals. She leads programs on local content, new technologies and critical minerals. She is an economist with over 20 years experience in trade negotiations and industrial policy. She has worked as senior advisor at the African Mineral Development Center of the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, and as an economist and trade negotiator for the government of Mauritius, her home country. Isabel, thank you very much for joining the Sheila Khama Extractive Podcast. Thank you, Sheila. As always, a pleasure. That's lovely. So, uh, given your responsibility for new technologies, I, I thought it would be good to get your views on these uh, aspects of the fourth industrial revolution. In what way is the fourth industrial revolution relevant in your view to the extractive industries? So technological innovation is a recurrent feature of uh, modern industrial development and is a relevant feature of all economic activities, including mining. Technologies play an instrumental role in fostering productivity and in maintaining the efficiency and competitiveness of industries. However, the current wave of technological breakthroughs is different. They are revolutionary because they are disruptive in the sense that they will fundamentally alter the way we live, the way we work, and the way uh, we relate to one another. They are also revolutionary because they are driven by a range of new technologies that are fusing the physical and digital worlds. This is having significant implications on the way in which business operates, on labor market dynamics, as well as on traditional supply chains with ripple effects on local sourcing abilities and for local communities, for example. Maybe before talking about the mining sector, I just wanted to highlight the few um, areas where I think the current wave of the fourth industrial revolution is revolutionary. First is the types of technological change we're talking about. As I mentioned, the fourth industrial revolution is characterized by a range of new technologies, which include artificial intelligence, robotics, Internet of Things, quantum computing, connected devices, and high-speed productivity, amongst others. Second, it's the speed at which these changes are happening. The current breakthrough has no historical precedent. Compared to previous industrial revolution, this wave of technological change is growing at an exponential rate and is bringing systemic changes, which is making businesses more sophisticated leaner and smarter. Third, it's the scale of those innovations. They are disruptive. They are disrupting almost every industry and every country, albeit differently, and cut across the entire life cycle of businesses and the entire supply chains. And then the nature of some of those technological changes are important to highlight because um, it's not about just about technologies, but it's also about how those technologies are integrating in every day's life. And finally, the impacts. 
On the economic front, we are noticing significant shifts in the global economic structures that are causing ge geographical tensions. There is a race among nations that are at the cusp of driving those new forms of technologies to be global leaders and to be first among the leaders. And then on the social front, it's the way people interact, learn, work, and how this is changing rapidly. So talking about the mining sector now, technological changes, as we all know, is nothing new to mining. In fact, the mining sector has often been a historical catalyst for the evolution of mankind. We all talk about the Iron Age, the Bronze Age, which means that the mining sector has set the pace for different stages of civilization. But this particular um, uh, round of technological innovation is important for mining, given the types of activities that mining sector has. Um, you know, the constant innovation in process is necessary to overcome natural factors, such as declining reserves, lower ore grades, deeper deposits, geotechnical difficulties, etc. Um, and uh, the fourth industrial revolution is bringing significant disruptions and transformation in the mining sector to drive more efficiency, safety and sustainability. There are a few um, key highlights of four bigger uh, big ticket items that we can take from the fourth industrial revolution for the mining sector. First, health and safety of workers and the safety of operations. I think this is probably the key drivers of those the run of technological adoption we are seeing. Um, the technologies that we see can reduce the need for human exposure to hazardous mining conditions, significantly improving workers' health and safety. Um, automated machineries and robotics are being used for tasks that are considered as risky for workers because they're dangerous and require a lot of manpower. Um, they are used, for example, to perform operations such as drilling, blasting, hauling, and ore processing. And in some countries, driverless trucks and remote operation machinery have become common, mm. somehow replacing uh, workers. Uh, we can also say that the fourth industrial uh, revolution technologies are enabling more sustainable mining practices uh, because they can help reduce environmental impact. The second big area is mine efficiency. Here, things like uh, Internet of Things are enabling real-time uh, monitoring of equipment. Um, sensors placed throughout the mines, for example, can provide data, big data, uh, on performance, on maintenance needs uh, to reduce operational inefficiency. Data analytics also help optimize mines. Um, the mining industry generates massive amount of data and therefore you know this helps harness um, to improve decision making and enhance operational efficiency. The third thing is about supply chain management and traceability. Uh, technologies like blockchain, for example, are being used to enhance traceability of minerals, and this is quite important to verify ethical sourcing. And then finally, uh, workforce transformation. And I think this is very important because when we talk about mining, it's not just about the machines, but also about the people. Um, and we're seeing a lot of new technologies coming uh, to make mine workers on one hand more efficient, but also at the same time, completely changing the needs that the industry uh, will have for skills and potentially on the size of the labor force as well. Mm. So you, you've given us a very comprehensive uh, overview, first of 
the fourth industrial revolution and why we deem it revolutionary. And you've said that one of the things that makes it uh, so revolutionary is, is the speed at which it is happening. Uh, and, and then you also said scale. By speed, do you mean the rate at which technology is changing and being adopted? Or do you mean the speed at which having created new technologies, there is uptake in the market. Where is, where is the aspect of the speed? It's both. It's uh, the, the rate at which, and this is this depends on the jurisdiction, of course. You've got countries that are uh, more ready to adopt technologies because they have uh, the infrastructure to do so. Two things are very important to the uh, current uh, technological innovation. One is access to internet and all the infrastructure that goes with connectivity. So this is a big investment. Secondly is energy, electricity. If you don't have access to um you know, reliable electricity, none of this can happen. So those two things condition the pace at which technology is being adopted. And uh, I think to me, uh, like you say, there are different dimensions to, towards the speed. It's the, the, the deployment of technology, how much mining is able to adopt on this side, but also in the countries, uptake is conditional on social um, on, on social endorsement, on social uptake. So if, for example, you you have uh, countries where the mine is the biggest or the sole employer of local communities, the uptake will depend on the extent to which uh, the company and the local economy can transition the workforce. So it's a mixture of both. We've been looking at some uh, studies recently to see over the last 10 years, technologies that have been adopted, how much and in different jurisdictions, then you really see the context matters. Mm. So you, you made mention of different types of uh, technologies that characterize the fourth industrial revolution. You spoke of uh, robotics, you spoke of uh, artificial intelligence, you spoke of all things internet, and you spoke of drones among others uh, you know uh, are we finding that all of these are moving uh, at the same pace or uh, are some of these elements more prominent and and more likely to if you will shape the nature of this revolution yeah not all of them are being adopted at the same pace and at the same time I would say uh, the biggest driver currently is health and safety. So you see a lot of uh, technologies being adopted to remove, especially when you are uh, you have underground mining, deep, uh, ultra deep mines. Here, uh, I think this is also the, the nature of the operation also drives the technology that are being adopted. You see a lot of uh, more, at least it's more accepted to have technologies that are better for workers that technology that will displace workers but that could you could live without like driverless trucks for example so uh, a lot of the what we see is most 80 percent of technology mining companies that are adopting those technologies are taking health and safety and safety of operation first 
Then secondly, efficiency of mining operations. Capital is very expect expensive to get these days uh, for many reasons. Mining industry have a lot of difficulties of accessing uh, uh, money. So efficiency is an issue. There is a real, uh, uh, there are real gains of having technologies that minimize risk, that minimize inefficiencies. So data analytics, this is the second one where uh, Artificial intelligence is being used mainly to treat data. And then workforce transformation is more on the, uh, I would say, third tier part of the discussion, especially in developing countries because of the importance of the mining sector for, uh, for the job market in local communities. We thought when we were doing the studies that we will find um, not a lot of numbers about job losses, but actually overall, well, we can talk about it later. There's also a lot of variation, but you have a, a, a lot of new opportunities that are also coming up. So the industry is trying to balance what they can bring to create new opportunities because you know you will need jobs that didn't exist in the mining sector before with um, data analytics, etc. But then at the same time, there are some that will necessarily become redundant because this is the nature of creative destruction. Mm -hmm. So you you made mention of uh, the impact on supply chain and, and given your work uh, in the local content space, when we first uh, started speaking about local content, say 15 years ago in any meaningful way, the focus was on bulk procurement yeah. uh, or using bulk procurement essentially and domestic linkages to springboard uh, industries. How are we now seeing local content in the context of uh, the fourth industrial revolution at the extent which uh, in some areas, bulk procurement may no longer be the economic driver? Yeah, this is a really good question. There are there are a couple of issues here. One is, uh, you know, the type of uh, new procurement that the mining sector will need because it's all tech savvy, and we all know that, for example, when you look at the big machine machineries, the plant and equipment, local people were not because the OEMs had those exclusive contracts local people were not really uh, uh, linked into these kinds of supply chain. It's similar for digital technologies. So when you have very sophisticated high-tech uh, technologies, it's very unlikely that the uh, equipment providers will allow local people to do the maintenance, to do the repair, etc. So if you have a shift from a traditional type of technology, for example, a truck where you would have typically repair and maintenance and mechanics to be able to to, to uh, you know work on them when they have issues if this moves to a very automated uh, type of, of, of equipment then you have issues with the software part of it um, so you you definitely will have shifts but at the same time there are a lot of services for example that those uh, uh, new technologies can provide it's 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 you will have a lot of uh, activities that will definitely not be accessible for local people, but a lot of new activities will be accessible for local people. I take the example of 
renewable energy that is one of the technologies that we're seeing coming together with the digital ones. Um, repairing maintenance of some of those uh, renewable energy is not very far away from what you would have for other types of equipment. So you can if, uh, you retrofit the workforce to be able to service those. Uh, so it's not like all everything that will disappear, nothing will be created. But that said, that, that said uh, you, you really need to make sure that the people who will not be able to access the market, the old procurement market, will be able to get the new types of procurement. There's a lot of services. It's way more services oriented than goods oriented. Uh, but the, 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 the change is not automatic. So, so, so really, uh, governments uh, and companies that want to vie for business in this new environment need to think, where is the change taking place? And what you're saying is, in some cases, is that there is no longer about physical goods, more about service delivery and retrofitting not only the skills mix in their companies, but also their very business model and, and, and where, where their bread and butter line comes from. Uh, so let me ask you something else. When we talk about the impact of the fourth industrial revolution in the work environment, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily in the technology, are we finding that it is helpful to the cause of uh, being inclusive in gender terms or in its nature, is, is it adding more problems to an already uh, somewhat segregated work environment? Yeah, so, so the work um, question is a very interesting one because there are several levels to it. So uh, obviously, uh, the fourth industrial revolution has is going to have a lot of impact on not only workers themselves, but also the work ecosystem, the environment of the industry. And this will have both challenging and beneficial. It will be both challenging and beneficial for the labor force. Um, but the debate is very polarized. And reality, we don't know what is the magnitude of the impact. It's difficult to measure with numbers. But one thing we know is that it's going to be more digital, more mechanized, and more connected, potentially more in inclusive. And I'm saying potentially, and I will come that in a moment to that in a moment, because what we are saying is that you're removing people from the mind phase, the hard part of the job, into something that is more business uh environment-like, office-like, if I can use this term, normalizing to some extent uh, the finding jobs. But does that mean that women will get more access to it, for example? But before saying this, I just wanted to make a couple of points on the types of, when you talk about mining work environment, what kind of impacts we are seeing. And then I'll, I'll dovetail the inclusivity part in those four different types of impacts that we're seeing. And here I'm talking mainly at direct jobs and at large-scale mining. So the first thing is you have risk or around the redundancy, around the redundancy of, of, of some types of, of, of jobs because uh, mining structures will be leaner. And this is a result of the labor-saving technologies, such as automation, which is going to make some tasks and not necessarily entire occupations, but 
aspects of some jobs redundant. And this will reduce to some extent employment intensity for some categories of workers. We call this job displacement effect. And here, I think it's important to mention that it's the task that will be disrupted, not the entire uh, occupations. Um, so to be able to accompany workers, we need to understand what jobs are at stake, who holds those jobs, and who can provide alternative options to the displaced workers. As I was saying, the numbers are hard to predict, but there are some estimates that about 20% of employment in large-scale mining sector could potentially be displaced, essentially due to these uh, labor-saving technologies. Um, now, the second uh, thing that is important is that many occupations will be restructured, redesigned, or modernized. And that's potentially the bigger bulk of the uh, workers at the mine, uh, in the mining sector, because technologies are meant to improve efficiency of operations and productivity of workers with those technologies. So the type of work that you were doing will change. You will get keep your job, but it might change. And those types of technologies will require a very different skill set. And there will be a need to uh, upskill workers, reskill work workers, so that they can maintain their job and improve their performance. And here it is important to highlight that men and women may not be impacted in the same way. Because women have cooperatively limited access to some of those of the job on the job training and to some vocational lifelong learning opportunities. We did a study recently that showed across 12 different countries that women have less access and as a result uh, may not be able to be reassigned to the more modern post. The mm. third aspect is new jobs. So technologies will create new opportunities that were previously not considered as mining jobs or didn't ex uh, exist altogether in mining. An example is software programmers and IT supervisors that are not considered as mining job today, but will be needed to run, use, and supervise all those new devices and technologies we're talking about. Um, and here, we don't know how many new jobs will be created, of course, because the pace of adoption, as we mentioned earlier, will not be the same across the industry. But one thing we have observed is that women may have less access to those opportunities because of the digital skills divide uh, that we observe more in favor of men. So on paper, you know, they are able to get the jobs, but do they have the requisite skills today? This is the big question. And we found that um, if you look at the 12 countries that we've looked, systematically, including the high income countries, you still have less women that take STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics at school, which are the foundational uh, skills that you need for the digital uh, technology that we're talking about. And this is a big challenge for women because we will be facing a scientific skills deficit just like we have today. So if nothing is done, nothing will change. Hmm. And then the fourth aspect is remote working. So new technologies, and we've seen this with COVID, have allowed people to perform their work remotely away from mine sites or outside host countries altogether. So on one side, one may argue that remote working is positive from a safety perspective because you remove people from dangerous work, workplace and provide them with opportunities to work in uh, more comfortable working conditions. However, it reduces job opportunities for workers from the local communities 
with ripple effects on economic activities. And we know very well that in local communities, often women are uh, breadwinners, right? So they, there is this uh, issue of displacing workers away from mine side or altogether from the countries that might altogether for the industry itself, it might look positive, but then you need to take this granular view between mine sites or local uh, where the, the activities are happening and then uh, host countries or mining uh, headquarters, for example, that might be outside. And then what does that mean for the labor market? But I think, uh, you know, these uh, the bottom line here is that the skill sets and the occupations that are coming are the most uh, uh, urgent issues for policymakers to consider. Occupations will be very different. Mm. You make mention of COVID. Uh has uh, the fourth industrial revolution in, uh, potentially increased supply chain and mine uh, site operations resilience? Uh, are we more able to weather the storms of disruption uh, of supply chains and worker movement thanks to the fourth industrial revolution or are we still just as vulnerable to pandemics? So I think the COVID nineteen has highlighted several crucial lessons uh, for the post industrial revolution and the resilience of supply chain. Um, first, they have underscored it has underscored the importance of technology, flexibility, and strategic planning to respond to global crisis and uncertainty. But at the same time, it has highlighted the risk of being over dependent on global supply chains when suddenly or the world stops and then entire industrial chains uh, are stopped and that puts further risk on industries and jobs. So I think here, bottom line, uh, the pandemic has emphasized two sides of resilience. One is um, the value of digital and automated systems to maintain operations amidst disruption. I think mining companies with advanced digital infrastructure were better equipped to, to adapt to the changing circumstances such as remote working and monitoring operations. We've seen this in a couple of countries where the industry was able to put uh, workers at home but still maintain some level of operation. So crisis has revealed the importance of having this real-time visibility into supply chain. And I think this, uh, this is where uh, that was, these technologies were very timely to prevent complete uh, stop of, of uh, operations. Uh, and the pan pandemic also brought a new focus on health and safety protocols. And here again, I think technologies to monitor the health of people um, that were most at risk was something that technology has been able to help. But then on the other hand, as I was mentioning, dependent uh, dependence on a limited number of suppliers or countries for minerals or inputs was a significant uh, vulnerability that was exposed by the pandemic. Uh, it became clear that diversifying supply chains, uh, supply sources, and considering local and regional options would be needed to reduce future risks. And I think a number of pinch points came to bear, uh, not only on the concentration of entire parts, but also on the difficulty of countries themselves to have their own solutions. We all remember the story with vaccines where 
only those who were able to manufacture them could actually have access to them. And I think you can bring this back to your whole industrial chains where if you don't have your own production to some extent or part of the production, you're way more vulnerable. And we see today how uh, policies globally have uh, evolved to help reshore some of the supply chains closer to industrial hubs. Um, including from countries who at some point in time were pushing very hard for liberalization of global trade. And in a sense, it's a good thing for developing countries and for resource-rich countries because they've struggled to make the point to develop their own supply chains. And now there is a recognition that building industrial capacity in-country makes complete economic sense. So I think, you know, these two dimensions, but we are not there yet. I mean, have we resolved the resilience? I don't think. We probably acknowledge where the pinch points are, but I'm not sure we have resolved them. Mm. Uh, we have uh, a fraction of a minute, and, and I have to ask you uh, a, a quick question on whether you think the fourth industrial revolution improves opportunities uh, in emerging market countries to vertically integrate critical mineral value chains or whether it is a hindrance in, in a simplistic way? I would say there are opportunities if you can harness them. They, I think of one thing that the industrial, uh, fourth industrial revolution, and I like the word disruptive for that matter, has brought is that it has uh, broken a lot of the fragmentation that we see globally. So if countries are able to take those opportunities, there's no physical limit. The limit is on your ability to, to get access to those technologies, because we all know that intellectual property rights is a hindrance to uh, absorb technologies or to develop them. But on paper, yes, it provides more opportunities than hindrance to connect to global supply chains. Again, it's very easy to say. Uh, not sure it's as easy as that to do because there's many things that you need as, as prerequisites to be in place to be able to reach that level. Fantastic. Well, uh, Isabel, thank you very much once again for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you, Sheila. It's always a pleasure. <laughs>